For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. I'll be joined by John DeJulius. He's the author of What's the Secret to Providing World-Class Customer Service? We're going to explore the importance of customer service and how service and social media tie very closely together. I also have some exciting news that I want to share with you, but first a brand new discovery. After introducing a vegetarian diet to piranhas, look what Michael Stelzner discovered. If you use Instagram, you've probably seen really cool videos out there that are um, produced in ways where they have maybe a bunch of photographs that are put into a really cool kind of slideshow circumstance and then there's music playing in the background. Well, chances are pretty good that those are done with a really cool app called Flipagram. And I want to share with you why this app is cool and important and the fact that it can transcend Instagram. You can create cool little 15-second videos that you can use on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on YouTube and all over the place with this one cool little app. It works on the Android and it works on the iPhone. And basically, you download the app. It's super easy. It kind of looks like Instagram. And then what you do is you just go ahead and create your video by first selecting pictures. You can select pictures that are already on your phone or you can select pictures that are on Facebook. Perhaps you've already uploaded a bunch of them to Facebook. Then what you can do is you can select the order in which all the pictures go. You can zoom and crop on all the different pictures. Um, You can do some cool effects. And what I think is really cool next is, and by the way, a lot of the effects are the same visual effects that you can do with Instagram. The cool thing is you can also pick something from your music library and you can choose an audio clip from where whatever song you pick the song, you figure out where you want to go in the audio stream and you play the music. Then when you're done, you push a button and bada boom, it makes a video for you. Once you're done with that video, you can go ahead and you can put it up on Instagram. You can put it on Facebook, all the different social networks. I did it literally in seconds. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So check it out. It's flip a, as in the letter a, gram.com, flipagram.com. Hope you enjoy that discovery. And now I'd love to share that awesome news with you. 
take your social media marketing to the next level at Social Media Success Summit 2014. Brought to you by Social Media Examiner. You'll be led by 45 of the world's leading social media pros, including Mari Smith, Jay Bear, Michael Stelzner, Amy Porterfield, and Mark Schaefer. Attend from the comfort of your home or office. Improve your marketing with Google+, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, blogging, and podcasting. Don't miss this sixth annual industry event. Remember, this is an online conference. Discount tickets are limited. Visit smss14.com to secure your ticket today. Well, that's the exciting news that we are officially announcing Social Media Success Summit. And a couple things I want to let you know about. Number one is this is our largest online event, period. We had more than 3,000 marketers from all around the world participating last year. And maybe you're in a place where you really wanted to attend Social Media Marketing World in San Diego, but you couldn't. Well, this is a live online event that is much like Social Media Marketing World. And it's completely online, which means you don't need to travel. And the way it's set up is there's three sessions a day spread over an entire month. And they're themed on different days, like you can go to the Instagram day or the Pinterest day or the blogging day. And we've got the world's leading authorities teaching and helping you figure out how to take your social media marketing to the next level. This is also the most economical way for you to really get deep, deep learning. Why? Because the price is extremely low. And we've got really, really steep discounts if you act right now. If you want to check out what kind of price discounts we've got going on right now, be sure to visit smss14.com, which stands for Social Media Success Summit 14. smss14.com. Check out the speakers, check out the agenda, and grab your early bird discount. I hope to see you there. And with that, let's transition over to today's awesome interview. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I'm very excited to be joined today by John DeJulius. If you don't know who John is, he's the author of a great book called What's the Secret to Providing World-Class Customer Service? He's worked with a lot of brands that you will be very familiar with, including the Ritz-Carlton, Lexus, Starbucks, Nordstrom, Panera Bread, and lots others. Many in the world consider him to be the leading expert on customer service. John, welcome to the show. Hey, Michael. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to explore customer service and how service and social media tie together. So let's start with, first of all, tell me a little bit of your backstory. How did you discover the importance of customer service? Uh, through necessity, 21, 22 years ago, uh, me and my wife opened a little business, a hair salon, and uh, we wanted to be different. And like every major city, there is a hair salon on every corner, if not, you know, two or three on every corner. And while we did good hair and nails and all that, we, uh, my, my thing, my forte wanted to be uh, uh, an experience unlike any other. And not unlike any other salon. Because in every business, when, uh, you know, that's really not our competition. Because if you come and get your haircut today, um, you then don't go across the street to our chief competitor and compare it. Um, you don't need to walk into a salon for uh, several weeks. So you might go shopping. You might go to a restaurant. You have other experiences. And 
we wanted uh, any other experience to pale in comparison. So it really became out of necessity to, for, for originally survival. But then when we saw that so few companies in our industry, then, then it became a broader uh, uh, thing that so few companies just generally differentiate themselves on the customer experience. Well, talk to me about what, what were you doing back then to make the experience of someone coming into the salon a little different than what they might have experienced elsewhere? Well, it's funny, you know, my first book, Secret Service, I was going to, I tried to name it Mastering a Norm Factor um, from Cheers. Ah. Uh, I couldn't get rights uh, because it would have had a limited shelf life. Now, most of my audience has no idea what I'm talking about, but <laughs> it was really that. It was really, you know, not only making our regulars feel like Norm and everyone knows their name and the connection, but, you know, our, 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 the, the, the guests that came in twice a year. So that's really what Secret Service came out of is hidden systems that we do behind the scenes to obtain customer intelligence um, that, you know, personalize the experience. So the, the, uh, the salon started growing. We had like 900 square feet and four employees and we started, you know, focusing on that and, you know, we started busting walls down and expanding and busting walls down and expanding and, you know, it grew into multiple locations and, uh, today, 20 years later, uh, over 20 years later, I, I'm not even in the business. I still own it, but having written, just uh, finishing my third book now, um, you know, the DeJulius Group grew and uh, get to, to go around the world and share what secret service and, and, and what's the secret really look at. So talk to me a little bit about what were some of those things you were doing for the customers back then that was kind of differentiating you guys from everyone else? All right, so so you walk in, you're going to see a bunch of people getting their hair cut, and uh, you're going to see eight or nine people in a, a black John Roberts haircutting cape and one or two in a white John Roberts haircutting cape. To you, our customer, we have white and black capes. To us, anyone in, in white has never been there before. So that's a totally different experience. You're, uh-huh. in a, you're an old friend. So we have created the white cape, uh, you know, so-called white cape experience you know, on the phones, you know, at every touch point, um, we're not treating white capes better, but we're treating them differently. And now we've transferred that into, you know, every business we work with, the white cape, you know, philosophy. You know, in a doctor's office, it might be a different color clipboard. In a, you know, in, in, a, in a, a restaurant, a high-end restaurant, that's a different color napkin in front of you. So three people at your table might have black, one might have red. Now, anyone that comes to your table is talking, welcoming you for the first time versus welcoming you in your back, giving you a little bit more information to the menu and how we prepare our steaks versus, you know, acknowledging that you've been here before and we don't have to educate you as much. Talk to me a little bit about that first experience. Why is that so important for, for so many people? Because, you know, they're just trying us out. They're not customers yet. And sometimes it takes three or four, but we got to get them to give us a second chance and, and making them feel comfortable, um, you know, making, you know, creating that, that emotional connection with them uh, in any business, in absolute any business. So, you know, there's certain non-negotiables we want to happen. And, you know, we want to, you know, provide that, 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 you know, the customer intelligence and the emotional connection and the engagement, what we call in, in the face-to-face is we want to provide the five E's, which is, um, and the first three take one second simultaneously to do. The, the eye contact, enthusiastic, greet, ear-to-ear smile. Mm. The fourth E is engage them, and the fifth E is, is uh, um, educate them. So depending on if they're first, uh, first visit, 
and or or you know a black cape, if you will. You know that ed- education it, it can be totally different. So you know there, we always want to provide secret service with our clients in any model. So what secret service is is knowing something about you. In in a lot of worlds, we have databases to cheat from. Michael, I know you're from San Diego. You know, I know you have kids. I know you have this. You know, your business. So one secret service has to be delivered every encounter to demonstrate that, you know, we know you or that you're a first-time customer. That's demonstrating that we know you or that you're a VIP customer or this is your second or third experience. Huh. Very exciting. I'm smiling over here. Now, um, let's step back for a second. What's the business benefit? ultimately to customer service because I think if 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 marketers that are listening right now really understood the value of, of a service experience, whether it be online or in person, they'd probably be investing a lot more in it because I think you and I can both agree that it's not the norm to have a good customer service experience. So what what is the business advantage, if you will? And, and there's there's empirical data that it's not just the warm and fuzzy. Every study shows over seven year, 10 year periods, looking at the top 5% customer satisfaction companies versus everyone else in their industry. I don't care what industry it is. It's always the same. They have higher comp sales from year to year, higher, higher sales growth. They have more referrals. Customers are more brand loyal. They're less price sensitive. They, you know, there's so many, they're less affected by third party things out of our control, like the economy, the recession, it's a presidential year, you know, all those things. But what really jumps out, and those things are pretty good, but really jumps out in the studies is they're, they always have higher employee morale and lower employee turnover. And if you look at every business, you know, the Ritz-Carlton to Zappos to the Amazons of the world, you know, whatever business model you're talking about, whatever industry, all those things are the same. And so you're like, well, if we're taking care of the customer, why is there employee, higher employee morale, employee turnover, lower employee turnover? Well, you know, I've never studied a world-class customer service company that wasn't world-class to work for and with. Four is obviously management leadership down, but with is they make sure that they 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 treat each other excellent, you know, same level, but but they they're world class to each other. But the other things are, you, you, if you're taking care of the customer and you don't have to hide behind policy and, and hear a bunch of no's, right? Your customers are happier. There's better engagement. You're high being high five, you know, uh, you know, figuratively and and literally, you have less people beating you up. But the other thing is, now, does the Ritz-Carlton ever blow a reservation? Absolutely. The difference is the Ritz-Carlton can make it right. And they could say, Michael, I apologize for the miscommunication. Unfortunately, we're fully committed today. However, I booked and paid for your hotel across the street. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. So, um, well, let's step back for a second here and talk about who is the customer? Because sometimes you're dealing with people, you don't know if they're a customer or if they're not a customer, right? I mean, they could be a prospect that just walked in that's shopping, or they could be someone that you're interacting with online. I mean, in your mind, is everyone that we interact with technically a customer, or do we treat those that are actually known to be customers different than those who are prospects? You know, everyone. We, we want this to transfer to, you know, the, the, the at home and how you treat your neighbor. So we have a, a, a uh, definition for you know, creating a customer service revolution, and it is a radical overthrow of conventional business mentality. You know, different from you know, how, how you, you know, the employee and the customers have ever experienced, which you know, permeates into people's personal lives, at home, in the community, 
which increases sales, brand loyalty, and thus makes his price irrelevant. And, and that's everything I talk about is about making price irrelevant. So making price irrelevant isn't that you could double your fees, prices, whatever, whatever it is tomorrow and not lose a customer. What it is is based on the experience your company consistently delivers. Your customers have no idea what you charge. So, Michael, you, me, and everyone listening are price sensitive. And, you know, as consumers, we have all, you know, we, we, we shop the cheapest in some of our categories. Have you been like me? I've driven three extra miles to save 50 cents on something, not realizing I just lost in the, in, in the transaction. Right. But you, me, and everyone listening has one, two, maybe three companies, people we do business with that we are so loyal to because of what they've done for that we couldn't tell you what their competition charges, nor do we care. So, so it, yeah, it is everyone. But let's, let, let me go really to, to, to what your question is. To me, your customer is anyone you're in, in, you know, coming in contact with. And, and, and internally, that might be the person in, in the cubicle next to me, right? It, it's anyone that's dependent on me delivering today. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, administration people, marketing people, HR people are like, I don't deal with the customer. They have customers. And if you're not servicing a customer directly, you better be servicing someone that is. Right. And the key word here is obviously service. You got to provide service. Now, I'm sure some of the people listening right now are like, okay, well, this all sounds fine and dandy when I'm walking into a store. But what about when we're talking about online? Because with social media, obviously, a lot of stuff goes down online. How does service play, play online? Well, as you know, that for you know, two thousand years, the number one source of advertising is word of mouth. Uh, in two thousand fourteen, it's word of mouse. So I love social media because it's given everyone a megaphone, and you get called out right away. So if we've disappointed a customer, you know, ten years ago, you may go tell the next six people you come in contact with. Does that did that really have an impact? Not so much. But now, you know, people can tell a hundred thousand, you know, that they can, you know, it, it can end up on CNN and there's too many stories of that happening, good and bad. So I love that because it's really put us under a microscope of, of, you know, what, what, what we have to do. And, and so, but too many people look at social media only as a marketing tool for me to say, Hey, here's our new product. Here's our new offerings. You know, here's, you know, what people are saying about us, but there's people that are, 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 are talking bad about us, and we have to address that. We have to have someone managing um, our social media uh, and, and what's being said about us positively and, and, and negatively and addressing that and saying, hey, I, I apologize that that was your first experience or your late, most recent experience. This is what I'm going to do to make it right. Let's talk about what you – some of the work you did with Starbucks and um, let's start there and then maybe think about how we could bring this maybe to an online context. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what you've done with Starbucks? Absolutely. Starbucks, um, if you go to any Starbucks in the world, uh, they have 200,000 employees. They all wear the green apron. If you, the next time you go into any Starbucks, be it in San Diego, Cleveland, or Malaysia, ask them, the, the person behind the counter, the barista, to turn over the inside of the top of their their green apron and in there when they turn it over you'll see their customer service vision statement 
And that's what I help them create. And, and it's probably my proudest trophy that's it's everywhere in the world. You go into any Starbucks and you ask them to turn over that green apron, the inside of the green apron at the top. It, it is their customer service vision statement. And it says, we create inspired moments in each customer's day. And there's four pillars underneath it. Anticipate, connect, personalize, and own. And th- that th- those four pillars tell you how. So anticipate, that's me paying attention as, as a frontline barista, your speed of time. So if you're in a suit at 6.05 in the morning and you're on your cell phone, you don't want me to ask you about you know, how, what, what you did for the weekend or if you're watching the game tonight. You got to be somewhere. Versus you're a soccer mom that just dropped her kid off at, 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 you know, at school at 9.05 and you usually hang out for an hour. That's a different level of engagement conversation we can have. The second pillar is connect. Hey, I know Michael. I know he likes to drink the Vente Soy Latte. I have it. I ask him, you know, what's going on in his life versus I may not know the next person behind you, but I still make a connection in the 90 seconds that we want the experience. So I may compliment the tie, the, the dress, the, the, the Gucci bag, whatever. Um, the personalize is there's over 80,000 ways you can order your drink mm. and they'll make it for you. And then the own, the own is my favorite. The own pillar is that you take a sip and you have a funny face. I am empowered to say, is that not what you wanted? I can make you something else or remake it. Or your daughter drops her out chocolate on the ground. I can give her a new one, even though it wasn't our fault. So that is a customer service vision statement and pillars. And every employee has to know that. And that's how they you know, create an experience that, that gets people to come back constantly. Now, what was the impact on, on, I mean, this appears, you make it sound simple, of course. I'm sure a lot of work went into that. But what was the result of having this customer service vision, I believe you called it? How did it help Starbucks? So if you read uh, Howard Schultz's book, uh, Onward, which is a phenomenal book, he really talks about, um, you know, going through, uh, growing too big, and then, you know, coupled, you know, so, so growing too big, the commoditization of the Starbucks experience. And, you know, he is brutally hard on how they commoditized and watered down the experience and they had to re reinvent it along with both the recession that we all went through, that they really had to focus on, you know, that, that probably, you know, they were too focused or only, I shouldn't say too, only focused on the quality of the drink. Hmm. Um, and, and, and they lost sight of the customer and making that connection. And as you know, and, and, and a lot of the businesses listening, you know, what we offer in the service and product is a commodity. We can go anywhere and get the exact same thing by a lot of qualified people, um, legal services to haircuts to coffee, and in a lot of cases, cheaper. So if, without, you know, without the, uh, the experience and the human relationship connection that we're making, we are a commodity and we're going to be you know, uh, outsourced to the lowest bidder. I love what you did for Starbucks. I think it's really cool. And I'm curious if any of that it can be cross-applicable to online. So, for example, if someone's complaining about an experience they had on your Facebook page or they're sending you a 140-character tweet, is there some of that that could be applied online when it comes to um, knowing how to respond, considering you – you know, Starbucks only has 90 seconds. Well, you've only got 140 characters on Twitter and you've got a limited amount of room, obviously. Well, on Facebook, you could go on and on, but you know, it's all out there public. So what are your thoughts? How could that be applied online as well? Well, first, the, the, the Ten Commandments, which is uh, my last book, what it's based on, 
it, the Ten Commandments are 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 every the, the foundation methodology to every world class customer service company works on. Whether you're Price Waterhouse, Nestle, Zappos, Amazon, and, and, and we work with a lot of online um, companies. They still have to need a customer service vision, so everyone understands what we stand for. Um, you know, and, and so you know, going to more specifically what you asked about, that's the seventh commandment: zero risk. And, you know, while we may not be perfect and we may drop the ball, hopefully drop it less than our competition, we're still human and we're still going to drop the ball. That's where we have to pick it up and make it right. So, you know, no, 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 no uh, uh, unhappy customer left behind. And, and people have to, you know, uh, you know, uh, know that that's our culture and we don't say no. Um, I love the theory. The answer is yes. Now, what's the question? So if we take it to the online world, whatever, you know, the people are asking, we'll figure it out. Zappos is 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 the world leader and Amazon in online. I mean, you know, you know, look at at Amazon. I remember I ordered a book, either the wrong book or I ordered, you know, by Kindle. I meant to order it um, uh, via um, uh, a hard back cover. I remember the first time I did this, I'm like, oh god, this is going to be a nightmare. Do I have to live with it? You know, you can't get a hold of anyone online. And I said, but this is Amazon, and they're supposed to be the best. And you go and, and you see the, the contact button, and then you hit the contact button, and they, they put in there, do you want us to call you right now? You type in your cell phone. My cell phone is ringing within 10 seconds of submitting that. And I, and I answer, and I get the recording, and I'm on hold. So I'm like, oh, that's going to be – within 15 seconds of that, I have a human being that has fixed my, 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 uh, uh, my order. Huh. That blows me away. That's zero risk to deal with because they're going to take care of it one way or other. Amazon, you cannot get, uh, you cannot call and not get a human being. The other thing that baffles me, and still in 2014, you go to websites and you can't find phone numbers. You know, it's like you know, you have to go and 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 you know, really look on a page. You go to Zappos, you cannot scroll up or down and not still see a phone number to get a human being. You can go to Zappos, call them, and ask them what the weather is in San Francisco today, and they'll look it up and tell you. I mean, that is just their mentality. The service is the byproduct. The sale is the byproduct of you know just taking care of you. Well, you know, I had a good experience with Oakley. Um, I on my Oakley glasses, there's these little rubber things, you know, that kind of make it so that it doesn't slide off your ears. Right. And uh, I went on the web. And obviously that's the first place I think most people are looking for support. Right. And I called them up and, you know, I was expecting to pay for it and they said, Oh, we'll mail it to you for free. I mean, I just think these little extra mile things will not only mail it to you for free, we'll give it to you for free. You know, we trust you. We know that you've got Oakley glasses. You've given us the model number. Don't worry about it. It's on me, you know? And they told me, you know, normally what it cost X or whatever, but that little kind of tiny little thing that they did for me makes me want to buy Oakley glasses next time I'm ready to buy glasses, you know, again, you know, the, the gratuitous service. And, and I, I, an article came out yesterday. I wrote my e-service, um, was, you know, give it away and they'll pay for it. And, you know, Hootsuite, you know, and, and you think of all the, the companies today that are huge, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Google, um, Hootsuite, they've just grown. They have all given away their primary service where then you can't live without. So you're either then, you know, buying it or you're upgrading to the next thing. But we've done it in, in, in both our businesses where, you know, we give it. I don't like discounting. I don't believe in discounting. I, I think it, had, it, it, it gives a poor perception of my brand. Not everyone's, but my brand. 
right? But I'll give it away. I'll make you think that you've won it, earned it, you know, give it to you as a gift from someone else, and then you can't live without it. I've had I've had people ask for refunds on things, and I've given them refunds, but I said they could keep it, <laughs> and it completely blew them out of the water. You know? Yeah, I love that. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, how to respond. Um, particularly online to some of the people that, that have real complaints. It's easy when you're face-to-face and you can put on a smile. But, you know, um, when you have to write back a response and someone's fuming and upset, what are some of your suggestions to kind of diffuse the circumstance? You know, I, I think you got to have something that, you know, may, maybe we get a lot. I don't know. But you know how you have email signatures, Um we have email signatures for customer challenges that can be duplicated. Like for, templates. Yeah, templates. Be, and it just has to be, you know, dear Michael, I want to thank you so much. Now, obviously on Twitter, you're going to have to condense this. But thanking them for taking the time. Because I always say, if you're not getting complaints, you know, if, if you're not getting enough complaints, something's wrong. You're not making it easy enough for customers to complain. And what the customers aren't telling you, they're telling everyone else. So I want to make it easy. So we always advertise, we want to hear about your experience. You know, good, great. We'll celebrate it. If we miss the mark, tell me. And, and so, you know, the first thing we got to do is thank the person. We can't be defensive whatsoever. And, you know, then look how to make it right. And that, you know, may lead to, here's my email. How can I contact you to make it right? You know, I doubt it can be fixed in a Twitter response, but they could be thoroughly impressed by how how positively you responded and how uh, quickly you responded and that you want to be aggressively at fixing it. Okay, so step one is to thank them for contacting you, right? And then step Absolutely. two is to make it easy for them to maybe dialogue with you. So I would imagine, you know, with Twitter in particular, you could um, – you could give them um, a number to call or you could give them an email to contact you at, you know what I mean? So they don't have to publicly reveal what their email is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, then, and then you can take that dialogue off of Twitter, which is not an ideal place to do service unless it's really simple. On Facebook, it's a different story because with Facebook, you can have pretty detailed dialogue back and forth. Um, so so let's okay so so after you've thanked the customer and let's just talk about facebook because you do have a, a, a it's more like email you know you have a ability to go a little deeper i so, would love to get it off facebook though because you know obviously they probably have a a, a negative story to share and we don't need that you know you know drawn out and and, and public oh yeah so, i'm with you, you know, there but yeah. but but after you thank them you know what i mean um on facebook do you just automatically say let's talk about it here's my email or you know in some circumstances that may not be a viable option because it may be a lot of people are having problems right could be a server's down or something so um so you know, beyond after thanking them, you know, what would be the next thing that you would recommend, like, you know, in, in the cycle of dialogue? And, you know, it could be the same exact thing that you would say face to face. But let's talk through that a little bit. Thanks so much for bringing this to my attention. Now, what's the next thing we say? Right. In a perfect world, if we know the server's down, hopefully we could be proactive and, and, and be steady at saying we're well aware of this. But um, we, we, we hear someone complaining. We see someone complaining. We're thanking them. And, you know, we, we, if it's an anomaly, we, we you know, we, we want to fix it. And I, I still would, would take, you know, get it off line um, with, with, you know, if, if it's, it's a one off, right. um, if it's a mass thing, you know, state, here's what we're doing about it. 
and here's what we're going to do for our customers that we inconvenienced. And, you know, you, and then also an additional place for them to contact, um, you know, going forward. Um, but I just think it is so important. And, and the, the biggest thing here is, you know, don't punish 98% of the customers for what you're afraid 2% are going to try to get away with. I'm okay with getting taken advantage of 2% of the time, which I don't think I do, but I'm okay if I do for what I'll get back from the 98% that can't believe the way we handled it. Now, earlier in the conversation, you said in Starbucks, the um, the people that work there are trained to look for expressions on people's faces that might indicate that they're not having a good experience. Um, online, there are some people that are going to complain about you or your company, and they're not going to necessarily do it in an obvious way. Um, they may not go to your Facebook page and they may not contact you on Twitter. They may just say that darn, you know, John, (laughs) you know, and if you've got a way to, and there are plenty of ways online to search for these things. For example, Twitter has really sophisticated search engines and there are lots of tools out there that allow you to monitor your brand. But let's just say that you have the equivalent of a Starbucks experience. You notice someone's frowning. You know what I mean? How do you respond in those kind of circumstances? when they have not actually gone up to you and complained. Well, and that, that was actually what I was uh, leading to towards in the beginning when we talked about um, customer service on social media and that's not a marketing tool and that we have to use those mechanisms. And, and as you pointed out, there are so many sophisticated mechanisms that you could be a mom and pop and have people, if certain names or company names or you know things get talked about, they don't have to be tagging us, right? They could be, you know, just saying John Roberts Spa or the DeJulius Group or Starbucks that you get notified, and then you can, you know, then you could say, "I'm so uh, sorry about your experience." Here's what I want to do to make it right. And again, that might be taking it offline, but that's impressive. Those are the ones because the one, like I said, the ones that are easy to fix are the ones that are contacting you. It's the ones that aren't tagging your company, but are, 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 are talking about your company that you need to be known about. And Hootsuite does it, does it, Google Alerts does it. I mean, there's, there, everyone does it today where you can be notified as soon as they talk about it. And a couple quick tips for those listening. Um, talk Walker Alerts is a is what Google Alerts used to be. Um, you know how Google Alerts used to be quite good and now it's kind of bland. So Talkwalker Alerts is a great service where it can send you different frequencies of emails and we use it for, for example, Social Media Examiner. You can also do searches on Twitter and I'm pretty sure you can go ahead and get an RSS feed right off of that and you can put it into an RSS reader and just track it. Uh, it it's pretty awesome. So um, So once you've identified... Um, someone who has written, and, and by the way, John, one of the benefits to having really good service is your customers will sometimes come to your aid. And I'll give you a quick little story. Somebody was complaining about something that we did, um, and they were complaining on Facebook, and it was on their personal profile. And one of our fans decided to tag me so that I could be brought into the dialogue. And they defended me and they said, Well, let's see what Mike Stelzner has to say about this. And I think that's one of the unwritten benefits to having loyal customers, right? Because they'll come to your assistance, especially in social channels. Yeah, no, absolutely. I have a uh, someone that spoke at our Secret Service Summit years ago, um, Arnie uh, Melham. He owns CJ Advertising, and he's crazy. I mean, you know, what he does is over the top with uh, transparency. And so he has forums where he has customers post, you know, what they're happy and what they're unhappy about for everyone to see. And people are like, are you nuts? 
And he says, listen, when, we, when they post it, we better jump on it, number one. And, I mean, he's encouraging, you know, feedback. And, and, and exactly to your point, um, you know, a lot of times, you, you know, one customer will post that they're unhappy with the, the customer service support team, that they're not like they used to be. And he'll say, you know, a lot of times six other customers again say, I think they're better than they were. You know, so, you know, exactly that. But I love the transparency because, um, you know, you know that it's going to be out there. Now, um, there's some people listening right now that are thinking about their organization or maybe even themselves if they're a small business and they're they're wondering how can we create a culture of service because we maybe don't have that right now. So what would be some tips to help kind of reprogram staff or, you know, the leadership team to have this service mentality? All right. So, so, so the most important thing, what every company, you know, what your, your, your service level is predicated on one thing and one thing only, the service aptitude of every employee you have. All right. No one, me, you, Michael, Howard Schultz, uh, Richard Branson, no one had a high service aptitude when we graduated from school and entered the work world. And that, this is the most important thing I can stress. Service aptitude comes from three places. It comes from life experiences. And typically growing up, we weren't flying first class, driving Mercedes-Benz, staying at five-star resorts and getting $150 haircuts. So, you know, one of the worst things that people can do is, is say, hey, you know, I want you to treat people how you want to be treated. That golden rule is great for, for maybe a, a life vision, but not for a company vision. I got a 21-year-old son, great kid. He's a junior at Ohio State. If you hired him tomorrow and said, you know, Johnny, I want you to treat our customers the way you want to be treated. That would be a huge mistake, right? Mm -hmm. Johnny would, you know, say, what's up, dude? He'd give him a fist pump and you'd have to ask him to pull up his <laughs> jeans, higher than he's wearing. Because that's what, you know, our, our youth, you know, is, is used to. That's what we were used to 21 years ago, in, you know, in a different uh, realm, if, if you will. So the second place is life, service aptitude gets shaped is previous work experiences. And everyone listening, me, you, and every employee we have and every future employee has worked somewhere else, several places. And as we all know, 95% of businesses out there aren't world class. So they've been shaped, brainwashed, and poisoned by a company that is, is paranoid and says, look, people are out to take advantage of us. It's your job not to let them. And now we get that employee, and they may have you know really nice people, but they've they're 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 they've been trained that way. So we have to untrain them. And the third place is current work experiences. We every one of our websites and, and employee orientation talks about how important customer service is. But really, at the end of the day, look at how much training you put into people, and then you know before they're allowed to interact with a customer in any position, and then do the math that training, whether it be a, a day, a week, a month, what is the percentage to spend on hard skill, technical training, uh, product knowledge, how to process, how to ring up an order, whatever it is, versus building the relationship, service recovery, and all those things. And it's usually, you know, 99% hard. So, so it, it, the most important thing I want to say here is it's not our employee's job, responsibility to have high service aptitude. It's, it's ours, the management, leadership, owners. So, so having said that, service aptitude starts at the top. And we got to have executive sponsorship of, of, you know, and you look at every world-class customer service company, you can see why. 
uh, Steve Jobs, Richard Branson, Howard Schultz, Walt Disney. They were OCD. You couldn't see an interview, read an interview or anything and not hear them talk about how it affects the customer experience. So it, it, that's where it has to start. It can't be flavor of the month, management by bestseller. It has to be something that we talk about every time we're in front of our, our employees, about how it will f- affect the customer experience and how the customer experience affects the business. So what I hear you saying is we um, who are leading our organizations need to ex- need to lead by example, first of all, right? And we need to explain to everyone why it's so important, right? Maybe because they may not have that context or is there more to it than that? I mean, we want to give practical examples of, of how to do it, right? Yeah. Then you get into like the 10 commandments. we got to create a customer service vision statement that is measurable, trainable, observable. We, you know, we got to hire the people that have the service DNA that, you know, we want to attract, hire and retain Right, that, that that are a fit that that the service division resonate with. Then we have to have non-negotiable standards that people can't pick and choose from, and there's a consistency. And it goes all the way to the zero risk that we are going to drop the ball, and you know we're, we're, we have systems in place that make it right. So you know there there's there's the layers that we always have to be visiting. But at the end of the day, if the leaders don't believe in it, if the CEO president doesn't believe in it, um, you know, the company is not going to. I always get two types of questions after I present. The one is, how do I get? Can I really get my employees five hundred, five thousand to you know do absolutely follow the commandments? And you absolutely, it'll it, you know it's it's a slow evolution, but you will. It's the other one that's a little bit more difficult to, to answer. How do I get my boss to buy into this? Mm-hmm. And I make a joke and say, have her come to the next presentation, buy her the book. But what I'm really thinking is, you're screwed. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if the parent doesn't believe it, it's not going to be a value of the child. You know, it, 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 you know whatever the, the CEO, president, in some cases, you know, store manager, it's whatever they're, they're, they're focused on, the employees will be focused on. Well, everyone is listening right now. I want you to really digest what John has been talking about because service is what makes all the difference in an online world because it's so much easier with social media to just go ahead and complain. You know, it it doesn't require the same kind of effort as it would to ask for the manager, you know, and go wait in line and all that fun stuff. So, you know, people are going to have issues and the way that you respond to them is going to make or break your business down the road. So, John... I know we've just scratched the surface on what you have to offer here. So um, I want to know, first of all, about your new book. And I also want to know where people can discover more about you and your last book, which is What's the Secret to Providing World-Class Service? So let's start with your new book. What's that about? Uh, That is called the uh, uh, Creating a Customer Service Revolution, Changing the World by Creating a Customer Service Revolution. And it'll actually be out January of 2015. Gotcha. And then let's talk a little bit about where can people discover more about you and your current book? What's the secret? Uh, at the DeJuliusGroup.com, the DeJuliusGroup.com. Uh, yeah, let's D-I. spell that. D-I-G-U. I'm sorry. J-U. J-U. Yeah, you do it. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, D-I-J-U-L-I-U-S, the DeJuliusGroup.com. Um, it, it, it's all there, and there's a lot of stuff you can download for free, including the Ten Commandments, um, 
a lot of uh, e weekly e-services and, and, and different uh, other things. You can watch a video there and, and all that. Yeah, and I want to encourage everyone to watch the videos. John is an excellent, excellent public speaker. So if you're ever looking for anybody to, to keynote any of your conferences, I strongly recommend John. John, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to show up on today's show and share your knowledge with us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you for having me. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview. If there was anything that we talked about in today's show that you missed, we take all the notes for you. And you can find those notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 101 for episode 101. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and never miss a future episode if you're not already subscribed. The easiest way to do that is to use whatever player you have on your smartphone and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you've not already done so, I would love a rating and a review. The easiest way to do that is to visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes or socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher. Pick your poison there, and I'd love to get a rating and or a review. The reason that's valuable is that helps us to be discovered by other people in these appropriate um, listings, and that helps us to just you know grow the show. Well, this does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Be sure to check out Michael's other podcast, Parenting Adventures. Dad, I'm bored. Heard this before? If so, you're not alone. Grab a torch and join us for Parenting Adventures as we bring fun back to the family. Visit ParentingAdventures.com. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit SocialMediaExaminer.com slash get updates.